It's time once again for another episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Being brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now, here's your host for today's episode. We got two for the price of one here today. We Rich. do, we do. We're right here overlooking that billion-dollar view with Rich Casanova and Michael Moore. And the Buckhead Business Show is here for serving you today. We got some great guests. And, uh, boy, I think that it's important to understand that we can run a business even once we've won one before. And we've got Dan in the studio with us today. Dan King. Man, Dan King. So we are here Not for the Dan, king. but Dan the King. That we are here for the <laughs> King today. And he's going to talk to us about the continuity of process of uh, running your business the correct way with some, what's the name of his company? Closer Reach. Consulting. Yes, consulting. Yeah. So he's out there helping people do the right things at the right time, uh, hopefully for the right reasons. So, Rich, get him in. Yeah, uh, Dan, talk to us a little bit about your background as an advisor to senior executives, boards in the areas of business transformation and growth. Uh, you've helped business leaders get it right. I like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that can, to, it's not uh, as easy as it sounds, right? right? Partially right. So tell us a little bit about your background before we kind of jump into the conversation, the topic at hand. Yeah, thank you, Rich. Uh, great to be here. Close reach. So it's a nautical term, and uh, it's the setting of the sails for optimum speed. So that struck me as a, a reasonable name for a business that wants to help business leaders grow companies. And, uh, you know, like – like so many others in business, I started out in uh, larger companies, Fortune 50 primarily, and, you know, it was all about chasing the money and the title. And I spent, uh, you know, more than a couple decades uh, in that quest and found myself uh, having a challenging what I call commute conversation. And uh, I would advise your listeners that you know, when you leave the workplace at the end of the day, think about the conversation in your brain. What's going through your mind? What was the day like? And if it's uh, not overwhelmingly positive and exciting in terms of what you're doing and how you're contributing, question if you should be there. Before we jump into that part of the conversation, I found interesting um, in your bio that um, you were also, in addition to working with those Fortune 50 companies, um, you also were um, recently uh, a venture-backed consumer services company recognized by Inc. Magazine, one of the fastest-growing companies, five out of seven years. Yes, that was a great uh, great run, and it was interesting, the quest. You know, how I arrived there was was a bit of an epiphany. There was an illuminating event that occurred when I was with uh, the last big company, and when I was having that commute conversation I mentioned, uh, I wanted to make a change. Something had to happen, uh, and something clicked. You know, I was in an environment where growth was achieved through cost-cutting and typically unimaginative efforts, raising prices, uh, not so much caring about the customer. And I found that culture to be uninspiring. And the high-growth company you alluded to, Rich, was an opportunity. I took a risk. I had just... Uh, gotten off an airplane. I had uh, a trip to Mexico City and had the unfortunate job of closing an office there with this large company I referred to. And I had to sit in a conference room and tell 23 people their jobs are over. Wow. And that's when it occurred to me. That's when the epiphany struck in terms of it didn't have to be this way. And I understand a business. Sometimes jobs are lost, and that's part of the game. But in this case, 
it wasn't the people's fault. It was poor management. It was some poor decisions. And I took a risk. I made a leap into this fledgling uh, $12 million business that you mentioned, venture-backed, still borrowing money, in all respects, a, uh, a troubled company. Yet I believed that with the right team, the right strategy, the right technology, we could turn it around. And we built a good team. We installed the right strategy. And we did turn it around. And we grew it from $12 million to $100 million, And we created jobs. So that, that defined my mission. You know, leaving that business after 10 years of great growth, I wanted to replicate what we did and help other business leaders who really had an appetite for growth to get it right, to figure out what, what does it take so I can add to the employment, not reduce, and create an environment where people thrive. Well, that's uh, as you go through the process of uh, trying to identify the talent and the leaders and, and align the group. I know you're big into the alignment arena, so you've got to use some uh, uh, six cents as you work with companies. So talk a little bit about how you make that engagement work best for the not only the talent in the company, but the people who you're trying to train to be more talented in the company. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Actually, uh, I'll use the D word. I'm a bit discriminatory with who I work with. I, you know, <laughs> I, I can't be. It's better for your health and your stress. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to be effective if, if leaders are okay with average. Uh, so I determine pretty quickly if a business leader is interested in being exceptional to driving a business beyond mediocre, and those become good clients for me. And the work really revolves around the big three, strategy, execution, and talent. And, you know, getting, getting those three things correct year after year is what sets the great companies apart from the average. Well, as you said, as you pick your, uh, pick your clients, uh, where do you see the strength of uh, the companies today looking at the strategy? I mean, are they spending hours and hours at the whiteboard? Are they really looking at their culture versus what the, the people need? Are they, are they taking it from within? How do, how do people build a good strategy today to become uh, worthy of being your client? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a bit across the board, but I think the best, the best practice – and what I've seen in terms of really extraordinary process is don't overplan. You need a vision. I, you know, I, I would really advise against the five-year view. That, to me, in, in our world, uh, is, it's a little extensive and hard to pin down. But we spend a little bit of time on a three-year view, it, and that's the inspiring piece. We want people in the organization to understand the mission, where we're headed as an organization, and and to be inspired. And that comes with that three-year vision. So we, we plant the seed there and then back up and develop a very tactical 12-year set of initiatives. 12? 12-year? Excuse me. <laughs> oh, wow. 12 months. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love that this. I didn't mean to catch you in that one. I'm going, wow, he doesn't yeah. like five years. He does three years. And suddenly he backs up and does 12 years. So well, some of my clients, it's 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Uh, right, exactly. I, yeah. you know, that is one of the things uh, as we test and measure, because there's a bunch of sayings about test and measuring. But, you know, when you're looking at three years of a, of a, of a plan, that's, that's, that's pretty good. But when you're looking at one-year results, talk about some of the things you're seeing in the marketplace today because, you know, we've had how many years? Uh, going on seven years of success in our marketplace or, no, actually nine years according to some, you know, if you believe 08 was really a crash and it finished in early 09. We're at seven, eight, uh, going on almost nine years of 
inclining business results, and we've gotten back most of the things we lost. So what are you seeing in the marketplace as you select clients and begin to work with them on those one, two, and three-year measures of their goals? Well, the the macroeconomic conditions certainly are, are a plus right now. However, the, the companies that really can uh, achieve the double-digit growth year after year and put themselves in the, the elite category aren't sitting still. I, I worked with a client two years ago, a software business doing very well, great growth, and the CEO happened to be a lady who uh, – was ready to take either the company public or do a strategic sale. And I sat in her management team meeting after the conclusion of a terrific 12 months. And her message to her team was, listen, the board is extremely happy with our progress and our results. If we can have one more year, like the year we just had, we're going to have a great event. We're all going to do really well. And, um, I circled back to two or three of her senior leaders after that meeting. I said, what did you hear? And invariably, what I, what I was hearing from her team was like, let's not mess this up, <laughs> uh, which they meant let's not change. Let's not take any risk. And sure enough, that next year came around. They were in a high-paced environment, very competitive. They struggled and, and had, a, had, a, had a very challenging year. So status quo, uh, I've found in my work with growth companies, is, is the enemy of, uh, of growth. <laughs> the pack ran off and left them, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you recently uh, released a white paper. Talk to us about that as far as the um, organizational talent uh, pipeline and how that differs versus uh, normal recruiting, if you will. Yeah, this is I've, – I found this, Rich, to be a very provocative topic uh, and something companies are slowly beginning to embrace, and that is uh, linking strategy with their talent quotient. And typically in companies, there's a significant lag. So if you can imagine a business plans out their next 12-month strategy, and in a growth business, those initiatives – are likely to be different than what they did the prior year, just by definition. However, they don't challenge the org chart. So over time, this, this problem worsens, and it, it's as though you're, we now are expecting the same talent, the same people, to do very different things. And that's this lag, right? So until companies start to suffer from an execution standpoint, they tend not to address the talent challenge. And the fact that talent in most companies is relegated into a department, you know, buried in human resources, speaks to the fact that it's not necessarily a core capability of the business. So what I've advocated for, and in my white paper I talk about a talent alignment system where you take the talent management capability of a business, extract it from the department, and make it an enterprise-wide capability, actually reporting to a CEO – why wouldn't talent rise to that level? You know, we measure finance. A CFO reports to the CEO. A chief marketing officer typically reports to the CEO. Why would whoever leads talent not report to the chief executive? Right. Makes great sense. Now, you've, uh, Danny, you've got, a, you've got a, a, a whole theory built around talent alignment, and you uh, actually implement that in the firms uh, in, as part of your engagement. So talk a little bit about some of the tools and things you've learned uh, in the last uh, – 
five years as we've continued to grow, and I think you've been in this, your, your consulting firm is technically about five years old or so, so give us right. your five-year track record. Well, th- thank you. I, you know, I've been fortunate. I've found that uh, you know, my discriminatory test in terms of uh, business leaders that I can effectively help uh, has worked well, and there are leaders you know, searching for answers. Uh, you know, my approach is, is I'm an advisor. I'm in a sounding board. I, I try to equip businesses with the capabilities so they're not relying on me over time. There's incredible potential that has not yet been unleashed in companies. And, uh, you know, there's this concept that's becoming a little more well-known now called the inversion of influence. And it's tapping into the middle of the business rather than business leaders and senior teams believing they have to have all the answers and all the ideas, all the decisions are going to come top down. There's an incredible, really, expansion of this idea of tapping into mid-management and empowering them to make decisions and figure things out. And when that starts to happen, the momentum is amazing. And the the time it takes to solve a problem and execute really is – compressed dramatically. Well, um, I know uh, this is going to spur some great conversation with our next guest, uh, anxiously waiting in the studio, been taking some notes, uh, speaking of talent, <laughs> as, um, has a few years in the NFL, on the professional arena in sports, but also um, pivoting in consulting and uh, business. But before we, um, we segue here, uh, Dan, how would folks reach out to you? What's a good um, point of contact or website? Uh, website is uh, close reach consulting.com and email d king at close reach consulting and we do want to introduce our next guest we will, uh michael can we allow some time at the end for these two guys to talk because i think there's going to be some interesting cross conversation we'll here yeah now our next <laughs> guest uh, has, has had some fun because he's actually already started an academy he started a university all in his part time after <laughs> after being a football superstar <laughs> right. and he is a ring knocker today so we're we're hearing the super bowl of a ring here get Get tapped on the table, and, uh, yeah. and he's got a proud story. <laughs> right, nice. I'll tell you what, even after being uh, being a football guy and uh, then uh, trying, running for a little bit of public office, trying to do service, he's actually reaching out now and, and providing, a, I love this, Mental Toughness University. Matter of fact, he's got an event coming up here in the city, and he now lives in our city after coming from a, a little colder environment, a little further away, I think. <laughs> a little further uh, Idaho, Idaho, that's far away, isn't it? It's I'd say so, yeah. Way on Unless it's there. Idaho, Georgia, because yeah, we no, do have I, a lot of I don't know. We got, an, uh, we got, we got Paris and we got Dallas and Paris, but we don't know about the Idaho. I've never seen that. But Jimmy Ferris is one of those guys who uh, he's he's in this millennium because uh, he he started his professional ball career in the in the new twenty first century. So share with us a little bit about how in the earth you got from Idaho all the way to professional football and what kind of things you're looking to do here and, in our city. And why isn't that ring with the Falcons when you played with the Falcons? Ah, well, 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 whatever. Well, 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 yeah, well, well, well. I, I, I love you. Take your rings when you get them, sport. <laughs> you do. I I won this ring my rookie year, and I think I was naive enough to think that. It was just that easy, and maybe I'd do it two or three more times, <laughs> right? right. right? Exactly. And uh, uh, got close with the Falcons in 04. We went to the NFC Championship yeah. game, lost to the Eagles, who ended up losing to the Patriots. Um, 
So my, 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 <laughs> can we edit that part out? Can you edit my, that part out? Yeah. That, that my, will be an edit there on that one. The Falcons yeah. just came up short on the score. They didn't really hey, lose. No, well, I'm, I'm saying the Eagles in that year lost yeah. also to the Patriots. I, you know, obviously my my chance to win a ring with the Falcons has passed, but hopefully, yeah. um, I you think. Sure, I mean, you look young enough. We could throw you back in. I, several people <laughs> have said that, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I just say, well, come um, come watch me do a couple sprints out on the track, and you'll know that I'm, <laughs> right, I'm yeah. no longer in that kind of shape. Pass it forty yards. Yeah. Jimmy, that, perhaps you didn't understand. We don't use the, use the P word here in Atlanta. <laughs> I understand. I, I was very torn. I was watching uh, the Super Bowl oh, at a, down at Big Sky here in Buckhead and uh, had a lot of people at 28-3 that were, that were in my face telling me it was over, and <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. kept saying, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, oh, yeah. Tom Brady. And, you know, Never to, underestimate. You know, and, and obviously I, you know, I don't want to talk about that all, all day, but, um, but here's the deal. Um, people talk about what did the Falcons do wrong? What happened? Yeah. They just collapsed. <laughs> no, they, they got beat by the best player ever to play his position ever in the history of football, period. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can go back and second guess and hindsight every decision that the Falcons made along the way. Tom Brady is the best to ever do it. Bill Belichick is the best to ever do it. And that's what happened, period. So now you heard that, it from the Comcast well, sportscaster. <laughs> Here he is, folks. He just shared it all. But that's that, it. But, but that segues into yeah. the universal conversation yes. both of you all are having. It's about leadership. It's about, it's about talent. Right? Too. So mm-hmm. it, it's funny. When, when Dan was talking, um, he talked about um, you know kind of the way – um, he's starting to approach. I think he talked about like mid-level management, right? And so what we start talking about are our teams. And what I found in corporations is, um, and, and a lot of the the leaders that come to us that want our services is, um, you know, team building. I don't know if it's a new concept within corporations, but you just hear it all the time. Leaders talking about my team, and we're trying to you know build this part of a team and that aspect of a team. You've got a lot of leaders, and Dan, you you may you may uh, find that that, that you found this as well. That um, there's a lot of leaders building teams that have never really been a part of a team, and they've never been led by people who have built great teams. And part of the reason why I wanted to transition um, into this field is because I have been so fortunate to have been coached and led and trained by some of the best leaders and team builders. Um, you know, that, that have ever been a part of pro sports um, or a corporate environment. And I think that, um, you know, the, the power of, of, of that type of leadership that knows how to build a successful team, that knows how to cultivate talent amongst their players or their, their people um, is invaluable. And at that level, I mean, we mentioned the Patriots and Falcons, but you're also involved briefly with the 49ers, um, the Redskins, and the Jaguars. So if you're at that level of, of um, leadership, talent, that organization that's so fine-tuned and, um, and structured, yes, I mean, very few people have that, that takeaway of that experience. So one of the things that I find in a lot of the corporations that we work with is um, just a, a – gross misunderstanding of the importance of, for lack of a better expression, taking care of your people, right? There are yeah. corporations that do things like, you know, cut coffee out of the break room in, <laughs> right. in cost-cutting right. cost right. measures, Ooh. right? Yeah. When, when, you know, at the end of the day, most leaders will understand that, that your people really are your business. And Absolutely. pro sports organizations have figured out that if you can provide your people with everything that they could possibly want or need to be successful. You create an environment where they come to work focused on one thing, and that's how they can do their job to the best possible ability that they can do it. And they don't worry about, you know, um, we have we have school teachers that are buying their own supplies. We have people that work in corporate America, billion-dollar companies that are coming to work 
with rushing to work through traffic without getting breakfast or any food to eat. I mean, you know, provide these people with a, a small, um, uh, you know, a small breakfast or a continental type breakfast or some coffee in the break room. Just simple things to make their job easier. And and kind of a dumb question, but um, what I think I've seen a lot of organizations do is they provide uh, these benefits, but don't really inquire amongst the talent or the, their team what really drives them, what motivates them. Because for one person, it's a different sure. um, a reward, right? So one of the things uh, that that we have found that's been um, very very um, insightful for us is. Um, just to kind of walk you through the process, so um, the Mental Toughness University is actually founded by a guy that also lives here in Atlanta named Steve Seabolt. Been in the business for 25 years in um, corporate keynote speaking consulting. Um, I partnered with Steve several years ago, um, bringing kind of my football and pro sports background um, to the company. And um, one of the things that we do that that I feel like sets us apart a little bit is um, – very in-depth surveys. Um, so if we we um, book a deal with a, a, um, a particular company, we will spend four to six weeks, um, sometimes eight weeks, surveying their people, interviewing the senior leaders to find out um, through anonymous surveys some of those pain points that um, typically you don't get through a conversation or a meeting with one of your you know senior leaders or upper upper level management. You'd be shocked at what people will disclose right, in an right, anonymous yeah. survey, and we find out things okay. like what you said, the problems that they're dealing with, what motivates them, what drives them, how they really feel about um, the management, how they feel the company really feels about them, do they value them, all these sorts of things. And so then we can go in with a very tailored, um, very specific program to deal with exactly what those individuals are dealing and with. And that's four to six weeks, not 12 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a 12-year <laughs> plan. Right? Right? I do, we do have a 12-year plan. <laughs> so before we jump into the conversation amongst, uh, with you and Dan, uh, talk to us, uh, give us a synopsis of the university and the academy and also the event, what people might expect, some of their takeaways, what's your you know goal? Because obviously um, that's a big part of the messaging and the objective, right? Yeah. So the Mental Toughness University is, is a psychological performance training for corporations, individuals. We have programs that like I said, that we take into uh, companies like Wells Fargo, Johnson & Johnson, GlaxoSmithKline, you know, some of the big Fortune 500s. Um, we have programs in Mental Toughness University to service individuals. Um, what I've done with the Gold Medal Academy is um, I created a program, uh, uh, essentially a, a goal-setting program. Um, kind of took a word play off of gold medal and uh, used that word medal, M-E-T-T-L-E, which, you know, is persistence, perseverance, passion, towards accomplishing a goal. So the, the, the objective of the academy is to teach people um, how to effectively set goals, put a plan in place, and, and work daily to achieve them. I feel like goal setting um, is one of those more elementary type topics that people, when you bring it up, people just kind of say, oh, yeah, I've, I've yeah, yeah, been there, yeah. done that. I know all about goal setting. Yeah, I've written all that. I read, I read the book. Right? Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and, uh, and what I always ask is um, – you know, I think the real telltale, and Dan would probably agree with this from a business standpoint, is your results always tell the story. So when people <laughs> tell me they know all about goal setting, I, I, I you know, to how's that working out? Yeah, for not you? to be rude, I just say, well, if if you know this stuff so well, why aren't you getting better results? If you're if you're so you know in tune with this stuff, um, why are you still broke? If you if you know all of these strategies and all of these secrets, 
why are you still struggling? Execution. You know, why aren't you get why aren't you getting your goals? And and that's that's the word. What I find right there is that there's a lot of people who might have something in mind that they call a goal, but they've never executed a strategy to actually achieve it. And that's what what I'm going to teach people that that um, that come to the the event well, on Thursday. Both of the world of, of of actually measuring, testing, studying, scheduling. Dan, I know that when you talk about talent and and and. Uh, same way with you, Jimmy, talent in the marketplace is the important part you can then meld to the goal. If you don't have a talent and you don't have a strategy, then it doesn't matter what else you're doing. You can be going in any direction. So I, talk a little bit Dan, about Dan, yes that. or yes? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I'm just listening to Jimmy, and, you know, this is so profoundly accurate in terms of, you know, businesses can't win unless people win. Yeah. And, you know, People, by and large, are only going to win if the business invests in them and helps them win, gives them the tools to grow and, and, and thrive, which, and, you know, the survey, I, you know, I love to hear that. Data, there's so much data out there as it relates to attitudes and culture. And, you know, many leaders, they're a little mistaken in that they don't think you can measure some of these things. And you can. Oh, and, shit. you know, I talked earlier <laughs> about this, what I call the commute conversation. And I'll ask CEOs, one of my first discussions with a, with a client would be, what are your people thinking and saying to themselves when they leave here at the end of a day? That's and, it, right. and you can measure that. <laughs> That's you know, what we find out in surveys. Absolutely. They honestly and anonymously yeah. answer that question, <laughs> they, and they, you synthesize that data, which is really one of the challenges we have today because people will still lie to you about what's going on in their mind and their life until you do it maybe anonymously, but you have to have a methodology that you you can show them the result of what they're thinking and how it's impacting the company. Most, as you said, CEOs are going around doing their own thing, and as you said earlier, Jimmy, they maybe haven't ever led in a team. They've always been a semi-lone wolf approach well, to getting something done and saying, oh, I did my goal. You well, know, why didn't you do yours? One of the things that's interesting about about the concept of a team to me is um, I wholeheartedly reject the idea that there's no I in team. <laughs> um, I think that's one of those cliches that sounds great in theory, but... But in, there is in a actual, me, though. But people, there is a me. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, let me, and let me tell you what, the, the, the best teams are made up of a bunch of bad individuals <laughs> performers. Right? They're, they're, performers they're made up of a bunch of people that are striving to be the very best that they can be to serve their own purposes within right. the the the, con- the context of the greater good and you take a team full of um you know guys that want to be the very best at what they do um men and women that want to succeed at the very highest level and you put them together and you get a team result that wins championships that breaks records that wins president's awards that you know that is really successful in the marketplace top five percent. well and I, just just to expand on this on the sports analogy you know you, you think it's execution right so teams prepare you think about the patriots the falcons some of the the premier nfl teams preparation preparation preparations you know the game plan they study they got the playbook but when they get on the field they make it happen and it, it's, it's no different in business and, you know, strategy planning, there's a lot of preparation. I mentioned earlier, you know, there were senior teams that w- would love to just plan all day long. But at some point, you got to go to work. You, you got to roll up your sleeves. You need, need to get in the trenches and, mm-hmm. and make it happen. And that's when it comes down to the individual and the capabilities and the teamwork and the unity. And, you know, it's the follow-through on this survey. I, I was working with a client recently, a $14 billion construction materials business, and they had one of the preeminent consulting firms come in. We all know the M, the M word. And 
they charge them a, a lot of money to do what they called an organizational health index. So they had all this data, Jimmy. You know, they had a reams of information of what employees thought about their management, the, the business, the future, the vision, et cetera. And I'm sitting with the CEO. He has all this information. And I said, well, is the consulting firm going to help help you? No. What, right. they <laughs> what said, are you going to do with it, right? They said they don't do that. Oh. Uh, you know, Thanks. so – how do you how would validate that result? Here, here's a perform? here's a senior executive with incredible wealth of information around his people in the organization, and he wasn't sure what to do, how to follow through, how to execute. So we mapped a plan, and you know it's fairly straightforward if you've been there and done that. And uh, people now are getting feedback; they're starting to understand that some things are actually going to change for the better, and it. It's mind-bending. So Dan's talking about um, two things also that I think are are relevant to um, what we've talked about in terms of the goal-setting aspect, right? So there's there's a lot of how-tos out there. There's a lot of books on on goal setting, how to improve performance, how to. But but where they fall off is is in the actual execution or application of that, and that happens in business, that happens in our personal lives, that happens in the people that set New Year's goals. The the, <laughs> the statistics, the new statistics, are that ninety two percent of people that set New Year's resolutions fail, uh, they're gone. and, and they're, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone, they're gone in, in, in yeah, in two weeks maybe. Yeah. And so when you talk about just you know on a very simple level of you can take a big corporation and you take those individual members of those teams you teach those individual members how to set personal and professional goals and then you teach them a few simple strategies like um, the simple stuff writing them down (laughs) putting a plan in place only three percent of the population has written goals would you believe that three percent we've seen it all the way from harvard on down so jimmy you've got some real stuff coming up just just this week uh, that you're going to be helping people to set down measure, record. So give us a little bit of rundown of the extra information about your event we probably need to know. Yeah, Gold Medal Academy, um, the, the the first event is happening um, Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at the um, Atlanta Marriott at Perimeter Place, um, just right over here off of 285 in uh, Ashford-Dunwoody. Um, it, essentially, it's a two-hour event. Um, I tried to, to book it late enough so that people could leave work and get through some of the traffic, maybe grab a bite to eat. 6 to 8 p.m., right? Yeah, 6, no, 6.30 to 8.30. Yep, we'll have some coffee and water in the back coffee for, for those caffeine heads nice. like myself. Right. And, uh, and, and I'm going to spend about an hour talking about the, the science and psychology of goal setting, dispelling some of the myths about goal setting and why a lot of the things you've been taught about setting goals are wrong. And then the last hour is going to be that, that actual execution implementation part where – you're gonna. I'm gonna take you through the process, and you're gonna leave with a set of goals, a plan in place that you can start on the very next morning, on Friday morning, to start working towards it. Now, if we miss this one, you've got some others planned, I'm sure. But I, what's the website we find them at? Um, the best place to get the gold medal um, academy information is JimmyFerris.com, J-I-M-M-Y-F-A-R-R-I-S, and right. um, on the the corporate side, the Mental Toughness University, it's Mental Toughness, the letter U dot com. Um, uh, we we um, have lots of events. Coming up um, with Mental Toughness U, uh, always looking to service more. So um, uh, contact me on either one. Just jump out to jimmyferris.com and you're in business and, and listen for the ring knock. And the way I tell you what, we're going to bring some real performance into the marketplace. Uh, sounds like you and Dan are going to start this process to, <laughs> yeah. to keep up we with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Measure yeah. each other's goals, success and strategy. <laughs> yeah. One year, three years, partners. five years, right. 12 years. I don't know where it's going to be. We've, but got, we've got some things to talk about. Yeah, yeah, sure. Nice. Well. Well, it's good to and, have you and, with us this morning. And for Dan, you can uh, find Dan at CloseReachConsulting.com. Excellent. Right? That's it. 
All right. Man, I think we could go on another hour or so here, right? Well, I think we're going to get down to that strategy and, and look for the goal setting as well as yeah. the uh, record keeping, which is really the key thing. What, how's it, what gets measured gets improved. That's why we have scores in ball games, right? That's right. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a hobby. That's right. And our goal is to wrap this up in 30 minutes, and we Woo. did that. Yeah, we, we did that. So the Buckhead Business Association, again, has brought you some great news, great information. And, of course, we do our monthly meetings, our weekly meetings, excuse me, every month, and we do our after hours, which is coming up rich. This and, uh, boy, yes. we've got everything going on. Like, thank goodness we're training young leaders here in Buckhead to, uh, to pay attention to the P's and the Q's and, uh, and the team building that's very necessary. So uh, for another week, we're, uh, we're going to wrap it up and see you next week. Same time, same station. And somewhere out there, there's a wrap. Thank you for joining us <laughs> and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association.